You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome one, welcome all to a very special sort of weekend edition of a BTB Roundtable. My name is RJ Ochoa. You're watching this on the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel or listening on the Blog of the Boys podcast network. It is time to put together... Um, not a collective 53-man roster, but kind of a collective 53-man roster. This is kind of a kind of episode in a lot of different ways. Uh, joining me are five fantastic BTBers from all over the world, all over the globe. Uh, if you're watching the 12 o'clock position, you know him, you love him. He starred in Days of Our Lives for 12 years running the one and only Tom Ryle on Twitter at Tom Ryle BTV. The top right uh, sector, not quadrant, because there are six of us, uh, is occupied by the man, the myth, the legend. You know him from Chop Sports. He doesn't ever sleep. I'm very certain. He is always working. He's always grinding. He's always hustling or spending time with his beautiful family. On Twitter at Dave Sturgio, it is the one and only Dave Sturgio. Bottom right sector, we have now residing in the heart of America. Oklahoma country, baby. All right. He, I don't know how many Dallas Cowboys jerseys he has, but he brings a different one each and every time. So we know where his budget is being spent. You can read him, of course, on the fabulous pages at blogoftheboys.com. It is David Howman on Twitter. Uh, bookending DH44 with some underscores. Always makes it difficult to type. Got to be honest with you, Howman. I don't love it when we, we do different things. But, you know, just for you to chew on. Uh, bottom middle portion, 6 o'clock. Top left uh, part of our country, Danny Phantom, not the cartoon, although definitely the inspiration for the name. He can tell you that story on his own time on Twitter, Danny Phantom 24. Dan, you hear him every Friday on the Star Seminar with Rabble Rouser, two of BTB's finest fellows. Finally, bottom left quadrant sector, whatever. This is a lot of introductions. Uh, Tony Catalina uh, doesn't watch anything, doesn't eat anything. I don't know how he is a person uh, with opinions or tastes or whatever. So, Tony, what do you enjoy in life other than the Dallas Cowboys? Being miserable about the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> That's part of it. Um, okay. Well, um, Sturch, we haven't had you on a roundtable in a while. You were very anxious to, to be a part of today. Uh, we're, we're all going to go through our 53-man roster predictions. There's going to be a lot of crossover, of course. And, and we're going to you know kind of put together, discuss, debate, um, you were the one who said we had to make fun of each other, actually, in the chat as we were preparing for this. Uh, I, 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 like, look, I know I can exaggerate some things, but I think everyone would kind of agree. You said that. Um, so, uh, you know, no, no, no. Are, are, you ready no, no, to, no. are you ready to roast somebody? That was no, your no, word no. of choice. No, was here's roast. the thing. No, no, no. First of all, Tom, Tom was the one that came out and said, hey, you know, I, the, based off of last night's game, and if you're watching this, you're, we're talking about Friday night's game. Um, he was talking about how he would have made some adjustments based off of a couple of things that they kind of tipped their hat, you know, tip their whatever, you know, what I'm talking about showed their hand, I guess. Um, and I said, Nope, too late time to roast you. Like I was mm. obviously being a, a little bit of a, a jokester there. I don't want anybody like get hurt feelings here or anybody watching this say like, Oh my God, everybody gang up on Tom. Uh, I, I do find it entertaining, but I, I just, I don't plan on doing that today. Danny, do you buy that? Or do you think there's a lot of ill will and bad blood circulating here? <laughs> Uh, I do buy that. Sturge, he, he seems like a, a genuine guy. And uh, although, I, you know, uh, 
Tom does leave himself out there. So, uh, you know, I, I would be uh, you know, lying if I said I didn't have my moments where I take a shot at my good buddy there. So, uh, so yeah, so sorry about that there, Tom. Halman, last time we spoke um, in a roundtable fashion, you had made a, a pitcher of sweet tea. Have you, um, have you gone the sun tea route yet or since then? Not yet because mm. the weather's just been it's, – it's been fickle the last few weeks, but I did make another pitcher of regular sweet tea. So I've got that for a little bit. This is riveting stuff, by the way. I'm it really is. Lie. Let's go ahead and get to the 53-man <laughs> roster predictions. Um, if you're listening on the Blog on the Boys podcast network, you obviously cannot see these. We'll definitely write about this at blogontheboys.com so you can go see everybody's there. Tom, we start with yours. Um, this is Tom Ryle's final 53-man roster prediction. To be fair to everybody here, myself included, uh, you know, look, we all have schedules. It was difficult. We, we put this together prior to Friday night's game. So, Tom, you were the person who was most concerned uh, about the ramifications of that game and kind of what it said or, or will say about your roster. But the highlights, you know, give us, please, the, the things you struggled with the most, uh, the things maybe you're proudest of. Uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, I – well, first, first off, right off the bat, uh, I think I got the backup quarterback wrong because they gave every indication that Cooper Rush has the job. And furthermore, Will Greer didn't do a thing to make any change to that. It, for me, it was almost more about the numbers, though, at, at some of these positions. Uh, like wide receiver, I felt like you got to go deep because you know you're not going to have Michael Gallup. Uh, and you've got to have a place for Kevontae Turpin, who technically he should be under special teams. Uh, I just had him under wide receiver because they're going to show up. It's just like C.J. Goodwin shows up as a specialist here, but he's going to be listed as a cornerback on the roster. Right, but just, just to be clear, Tom, thing. We're, we're looking at this through the, the prism of what it will actually be, and if you're watching this, you can see that we don't have Tyron Smith as an example. We know the Cowboys are going to carry him on their initial 53-man okay. roster, but again, we, we know, Tom, you know, we, we all kind of talked about this. They're not going to carry, in all likelihood, initially, Brian Anger, Brett Maher, Jake McQuay. They're going to cut all three of them okay. to create three roster spots, do some roster gymnastics. We're, we're forecasting a little bit. We're kind of looking at what the roster is going to look like, you know, Sunday, September September 11th when they get ready to host the Bucks. Yeah, yeah. There will be some people released that obviously are going to be back within a day or two. Uh, and that's this is this is hopefully was trying to look forward to what they'll have on September 11th when they kick off the season. And I still think they're going to wind up going deep at wide receiver and short themselves at running back and or tight end. Uh, I pick for them to short it a running back. Again, I think probably Rico Dowdle is going to actually be on instead of Malik Davis. Unless they go for, I just don't see this happening. Uh, Peyton Hendershot, I think, did a really good job improving his value to the team. Uh, they could just go with three, but given the fact that there are some, shall we say, Little questions about pass protection and who's going to be doing that. They could well need to rely on a lot of 12 personnel to put some extra protection out there. So that might incline them to bring Hendershot in uh, to help with that. Uh, specialist, yeah, we all know who's there. Uh, now, the, the offensive line is the big issue. 
Well, I want to talk about Peyton Hendershot, Tom. Yeah. Um, and spoiler alert, we're going to go through everybody's, but Danny Phantom, you were the only person here who did not have Peyton Hendershot on your 53-man roster. Um, is, is it just a matter of sometimes you have to cut good players um, and, and you know, you, you struggled with it, you're upset about it, but ultimately he just didn't make the cut? Yeah, precisely that, RJ. Uh, he, I mean, I still go back and forth with it. Uh, I think he's the toughest one, uh, you know, for all my choices I made. And I think it's really comes down to, I, you know, I think, you know, he's played well and, you know, a lot of fans have really kind of, you know, you know gravitated towards, you know, his play and the, and the excitement that he brings and the potential that he has. And, and I could definitely see him being like a, 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 a talent that they'd want to stash, but I don't, I don't think he's an immediate contributor. And I think it kind of falls into, he falls in the category of a guy that we probably, we all expect to make it, but then surprisingly doesn't. And um, I could definitely, you know, think he they're going to try to get him on the practice squad. The only question that really I have about that my, that decision is I'm not really sure the health of Sean McKeon, and I don't know exactly what's going on. So if there's any situation where Schultz and Ferguson are only two tight ends they have, then I feel like they're probably going to look to bring back, I don't know, Maybe, I don't know, the Sprinkles health to bring him back or just find somebody else that they could fill in. So that's why, to me, I left um, Hendershot off my 53. Mm. Uh, Tom, we're, we're going to obviously talk about this roster as a whole as, as we cycle through everybody. So I'm going to ask each of you this because we're going to move on to Sturches right now. But who would, if you had to pick, Tom, if you had to make a cut, you know, right now you had to bring somebody back or, or make way. By the way, we all, I think, have free agent listed um, as an offensive mm-hmm. lineman because we all believe the Cowboys are going to add somebody some way, somehow. But, Tom, who's your 53rd guy right now? If, if you have to to create a roster spot today based off of this roster, who's the one you're cutting? Josh Wall. Wow. Um, yeah, well, I, I don't think we can disagree. Okay, so Dave Sturchio, uh, you are up next. Do you want to give us any sort of preface before we put your 53-man roster on the screen? Um, I think based off Friday night's games, I took a look right before this at the snap counts, right? And I know it's preseason game three, so you really can't take too, too, like, much consideration to that. But you do when it comes to, like, fringe players and guys that were, like, kind of down on for the first two weeks. Nashawn Wright played 100% of the snaps every single down. Nashawn Wright was out there, and then he kind of saved his his, uh, his back end a little bit with some with some good plays. And I was on the fringe with him the entire preseason. And while I'm, I'm a big fan of him, the person, I just felt like he wasn't going to, like, with the emergence of, like, a Deron Bland, and um, I wasn't sure if he was going to be on this roster. I was very curious, mm. but he did make my final roster um, as a cornerback. Um, no, we didn't, according to this graphic. <laughs> so, all right. it, was, it was a confusing thing. To, to be yeah, fair okay. to, to everybody here, I again, I, I will take the blame for that. Look, there's a production part of this starch. You good. know that very well uh, from, from your daily life. Um, we had to have graphics ready and things like that. Uh, but, but that's we're here to, to add and apply context. So it, it, maybe you do have Nashawn Wright. He had the interception. Maybe that sways your mind um, on did. Friday night against. So, so you have Nashawn Wright. So the podcast audience didn't see your slip up. Uh, oh, okay. but- well, podcast audience, I uh, I've always had Nashawn Wright. <laughs> so right. That, that, that's another thing. Um, other things that kind of jump out at me. Uh, while you said everybody's in agreement with a free agent, uh, I am also down on Josh Ball, but he does make my roster because of the lack of depth. So that's mm-hmm. why I just feel like okay, he's gonna he's gonna be there. Um, and for whatever reason, I think one of the, the biggest highlights of Friday night's game was um, when they threw it down to Nate Newton and and Michael Irvin tried his very best to talk up Josh Ball and Nate Newton just wasn't having it. He was just like, nah, listen, man, he's he's not doing very well, uh, but he's going to make the roster. And that, that was one of my fringe guys as well. 
my MVP of the entire preseason is probably uh, Izzy, uh, our safety. I think he played incredibly. Every time he was out there, he was making plays. Um, so he makes the roster as well. Nothing else jumps out. I don't think – I think I might be one of a few of the guys that bring on John Ridgway. Uh, I think that he's like a Brett Urban, uh, Brent Urban like replica almost, but on the cheap. And he's just the size and a, a run stuffer. And a, his size is just incredible. Uh, so I, I have him on my roster. And, of course, Hendershot at the very end uh, really showed me something on the, in the final final quarter of that game last night where he could be the fourth tight end. Now, bringing on four tight ends, that's almost like a little – not sacrilege by any chance, but, like, uh, the, the special teams really needs a lot of bodies. And, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of these guys found themselves on special teams last night. You know, I, I don't understand the – you know, we're always worried and we're – you know, I'm one of the critical ones, like, Dak needs reps, Dak needs reps. And a lot of the guys are like, are you out of your mind? Right. But then like, I'm looking at him like, all right. So based off of last week, when we watched Cavante Turpin absolutely destroyed on special teams, he's out there playing receiver last night. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, you know, <laughs> can we put him in bubble wrap, please? Like if this is going to be our first good kick returner in 25 years, please, you know, just settle down with that. But he'll make the team, the defensive. I mean, the, uh, the wide receiver room is kind of deep um, because of just like Tom said before, because of the, the injury to Michael Gallup, um, I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but this might be one of those situations where a guy is added as a wide receiver from free agency. I know it's late, but it's like I feel like there could be some veteran presence that's needed and injected into this lineup. Um, it's Maybe it's just a want over what they'll actually do. Um, but like I said, I've been banging on the door for like T.Y. Hilton or something like that. But I, I don't see him working that out. But outside of that, um, I think it's very – everybody that's on this roster has, has made themselves um, – you know, uh, definitely expendable. Like, let's not get rid of them. I think the one difference that I have here is I wasn't very big on Harper. Uh, I understand that he didn't get the playing time that everybody else did. But um, when you're looking at these linebackers, and at one point before we signed Anthony Barr and before we knew about the health of Jabril Cox, you kind of looked at the the, the linebackers as like, you know, outside of Micah, what are we going to get out of Layton? What are we going to get out of Luke Gifford? You know what I mean? So, I was waiting for somebody to step up, and Harper just didn't for me. But, again, if he makes the team, I'm not mad at it. So, so a few things here, Sturch, uh, and I want to talk about one part of your roster. But, first of all, you were not the only person who left Devin Harper off of their 53-man roster. The other person is your paisan, Tony Catalina. Uh, so the two of you hate Devin Harper the most. <laughs> um, but uh, that being said, on the subject of hating people, we all wow. did carry Michael Gallup, just so everybody's aware, because the Cowboys, Jerry Jones said this past week, um, that they're not going to be placing him on the pup list, which means they will be carrying on him on the 53-man roster. He'll just be inactive, obviously, until they're, they're ready for him to play. But on the subject of people that we all did carry, all of us, except for one of us, carried Josh Ball on their roster. The one, of course, David Howman. Again, these were all due prior to Friday night's game, which I don't think improved Josh Ball's stock by any means. Uh, now, Howman actually did sneak a change in during the game. Uh, it was not uh, a tackle, but shout out to him for for being um, cunning enough to, to get that done. Uh, but Howman, you know, what, you, have a cheat code? <laughs> well, you know, look, it was it was manageable at that time. Uh, but um, I want to come back to something on Sturch's roster. But this is, you know, kind of a topic du jour, uh, David. Uh, why did you leave Josh Ball off? Because I think we all the other five of us, I think Sturch said it well, we're carrying him because because the Cowboys don't have a lot of options. Well, I think that um, for me, the reason that I ended up coming down on them, getting rid of him, one had to do with Matt Wolesko coming back and playing, uh, which I was actually kind of surprised. I didn't think that he was going to be able to make it in this game. Um, but also there's, I mean, there's still some options that tackle on the free agent market right now. 
And there's going to be some more options once every other team gets through their final cuts. And most of those guys probably won't be starting caliber. They're not going to be someone that comes in and starts at left tackle in place of Tyron Smith, but it'll be someone that will offer them depth and could be, could very easily be an upgrade over Josh Ball. And I just think to, uh, you know, last year when Josh Ball was a rookie and they kind of stashed him on their IR pretty quickly and obviously he didn't, he didn't play it all last year. Um, so with the season that, with the, the preseason that Ball has had, I don't think that they're necessarily worried that if they do cut him, they won't be able to get him on their practice squad again mm. and kind of stash him for another year while they work on that development. So I think that's what they'll go with. That's why uh, Howman's playing chess while we're all playing checkers. That's why all of you asked to, to yeah, get we'll another <laughs> a change done to your roster. You you didn't ask at the right time. He did. Uh, so kudos to him in that sense. Sturch, one last thing before we move on to Tony's sure. uh, 53. You are the only person here. So spoiler alert as we're kind of you know going through all these. You're the only person who carried four running backs. The rest of us made a choice uh, between Rico Dowdle or Malik Davis. Some people went one way. Some people went the other. Um, you're carrying four tight ends. You're carrying four running backs. You're carrying seven wide receivers. Um, I mean, that's that's a lot of bodies. I mean, do you really think it's necessary to carry both Rico Dowdle and Malik Davis? We, we all love them both. So, like, nobody come at us. We all love them both. But do you really think it, it is necessary, given that this is a team who, to your own admission, is going to feed Zeke, feed Zeke, feed Zeke, and whatever is even kind of leftover handoff to Tony Pollard. Uh, here's my explanation for that. And same thing for the tight end, actually. So Dalton Schultz is playing on a uh, on a franchise tag, right? So we don't know the status of Dalton Schultz going forward. So you want to keep every possible tight end on the roster to make sure that you could see what they do. That's where I'm leaning with Zeke and Pollard. I Listen, nobody's going to preach for Zeke and scream from the mountaintops about Zeke more than I am, right? But the fact is the facts. You know, next year's cap hit is massive. And if he doesn't produce the way that they expect him to produce, Zeke might find his way out of Dallas. Same thing with Tony Pollard. He's a free agent. Now, I want, I, I understand that, you know, Stephen Jones went out there and said, like, you know, we want him on the roster, blah, blah, blah. But we've seen we, we've seen this team in this front office let marquee players walk out the door with us just going absolutely nuts, tearing our hair out. So for that reason, I need to see more of the following backups throughout the course of the year. Even if they're small splash plays, you got to see something what you got. You can't see that in a practice squad. You can't see that kind of stuff there. You can't see that during the weekend prep when they're walking through things. These guys got to be ready to play as a pro in the pro level at the pro level on Sundays. And like I said, I don't foresee them getting all the snaps in the world, but like if they can work them into special teams or just get them on the field, Get them familiar within the, the system and have them in the meetings and everything like that because you just don't know what this Dallas Cowboys front office is going to do. I don't like it. I don't like carrying four running backs, but I know what this front office just did to us at tackle and at defensive end and at all these other positions where they let guys just walk out and we're like, well, you know, you know we have these guys behind us and, and they're just as good. I'm like, all right, well, we need to find out. We all like Rico. We all like Malik. We all think that they ran very hard and very well this preseason. But again, they're running hard and well in the preseason versus third stringers, fourth stringers. Guys are going to be bagging groceries at Stop and Shop next week. You know, like that's the kind of situation that they were put in. But now I need to see them against some ones at some point. Not, not like I said, don't work them into the game plan. But when they need a spell and Pollard, you know, comes up gimping or Zeke is just tired, you know, like you're going to need somebody else. And I think we're going to have to, I have to evaluate these guys just based off the cap stuff next year. And I hate looking forward to next year. Trust me. Danny, uh, before we move on to Tony's roster, something that Tom has said before, I know Tom's written about this uh, at the site, is Rico Dattle and Malik Davis are sort of proof, all due respect to everybody involved here, at how 
not difficult it is to find running backs to utilize in the future. So while Sturge's argument is logical and makes sense, right? Like I want to hold on to these guys for the future. I don't know what 2023 will bring from a depth standpoint. Is there not an argument on the other side of that coin to say, well, who cares? It, it wasn't, it wasn't hard. They, we found these guys, you know, without even trying, you know, we'll just do it again. You know, let's, let's maximize this roster in the here and now for the sake of 2022. Yeah, there is. And, and you just did it. Um, I think that, you know, I'm not going to really spend a lot of time talking about protecting a couple undrafted guys that we're impressed with right now because the Cowboys could totally, I understand Sturt's point and they're absolutely mm-hmm. right. We don't know what's going to happen with running back and be nice to have some people under contract that we have some bodies, but they, I think they could with the running back position, you could just turn around and hit the reset on day three of next year's draft and find a couple guys that we like just as well as Rico and Malik right now. So to me, I mean, I, I think, I think they're going to keep Rico because they like Rico, uh, but I'm not, I'm in my roster as much as I do like Malik Davis. I'm not holding a roster spot for him. There's just right. too, there's too many spots we got to fill. Sure. Okay, Tony, uh, let's look at yours now. Um, Sturge mentioned John Ridgeway. He's gone up for you. Um, no Dennis Houston for you at wide receiver. You did go Cooper Rush. You went three running backs. You went four tight ends. Um, you kept C.J. Goodwin. That's another kind of point of debate. You also have a free agent listed again. That's kind of very, a very popular thing. You went with six corners. You did not cut either Nishan or Kelvin Joseph. Um, is there anything here that you feel proud of? Maybe it is leaving Devin Harper off of it. Honestly, Devin Harper was one of the tougher decisions I made, but I think the toughest decision I made based on everything we hear and the way Dak Prescott talks about him um, was leaving Dennis Houston off. I think that's where the Cowboys are going to get super creative. I was just trying to think about it, thinking about it in a game day sense. There's a real possibility, right? You look at CeeDee Lamb is definitely obviously going to play. Jalen Tolbert is going to be active. Kevontae Turpin is going to be active. And Noah Brown's going to be active, right? So there's four wide receivers. On game day, are they going to dress five? If, if they dress five, right, that puts Simi Fajoko. So Dennis Houston's going to be a game day inactive anyway. And we already know Michael Gallup with him being on the roster is, is going to be a game day inactive anyway. So I, don't, I wonder if there's a way they could sneak Dennis Houston through the practice squad because I do see value and I do understand that Dak likes him. So that one was probably the hardest decision I made. Um, I also kind of looked at the Malik Davis situation like, like Sturt said. I think Malik Davis has done enough to earn a job on a 53-man roster, and I would love to see it be here. I think he, I think he holds value, um, and ultimately it comes down to special teams. Um, you know, I don't think the Cowboys are going to make that decision. I think Rico Dottle is that guy, and I, and I think he's earned it as well. Um, but Malik Davis, I was impressed with him all preseason, where for me, the cornerbacks is why I kind of stood pat on this was I think they they don't like giving up on guys too early. I think Kelvin Joseph being a second round pick with talent, they they want to try to see that investment through. I think Nation Wright is is a damn good special teams player. And I think they value that, especially with John Bossel having the, the voice that he does within that coaching staff. Um so there are some things here that I really struggled with. I think safety is super deep. I mean, Marquise Bell had to make this team. Izzy Mukwamu is the, did everything he had to do to earn that roster spot. And the Devin Harper thing to me was another one of those guys where I'm hoping like other teams kind of like just don't notice it and that he could slip through the practice squad because again, thinking about John Fossil, and that's what a lot of these back end 53 men roster guys you have to think in effect is I think Lou Gifford is good on special teams. We saw him against the Patriots, you know, block punt. We see we've seen him make plays in special teams, which is super important. Um and for me that's kind of where the most of the struggle is. I think early on I was Camp Will Greer. He just didn't do enough to separate himself in my in my opinion. And I know RJ, I feel a lot of the same way that you do. I think Will Greer is excited 
exciting. I think he brings a different element. I think it was just a case of injury kind of messing up the progression. I think it kind of, it was just a little too late there. And so I think they just go the safe option with Cooper Rush. They know that they want a game with him. He can manage the offense. But so for me, going through all these positions there, I feel like there's a ton. I think you go through every section of this roster and really have a question mark question mark about one or two different spots which you know i don't really envy the cowboys in trying to make these decisions because they're absolutely going to cut some people that are going to end up on rosters that are going to make an impact somewhere else that's all really well said um yeah i think we've all kind of covered the will greer thing i think we all think the cowboys are going to lean cooper rush um i do want to um i forgot sturch to ask who your 53rd player was so um who who is it off the top of your head um is it one of the running backs? Maybe I would, especially after hearing kind of yeah, the discussion we yeah. just had. Yeah, give me, give me, yeah, give me Davis as okay. a fifty third. Uh, Tony, who was your fifty third player here? You have to move on from somebody. Yeah, that's super tough. I guess just the way it shakes out for me it would probably be Hendershot. I think Hendershot. Hendershot is- over one of the corners because you're carrying six corners yeah. and CJ Goodwin. So you're carrying I, seven corners. I well, I think CJ Goodwin is good at his job. I think that, that he's not going to go anywhere. That's just my personal opinion on that. And I think they like the fact that the cornerbacks are athletic. They, I think they think that Nation Wright is better than what he's shown this, this preseason. I think what he had in practice and training camp is more indicative of what they think he has. And I don't know if they're ready to give up on Kelvin Joseph. And, and you can't blame Deron Blanford making the most of his opportunities. So that mm-hmm. for me, that was a really tough situation. Tom, you left Nashawn Wright off of your 53-man roster. There's some logic, and I this was my logic personally. I left C.J. Goodwin off of my team um, and carried Nashawn Wright to, to kind of supplement things that way. Um, I mean, what, do you feel like Kelvin has has an edge over him? I mean, and by the way, we're all we're recording this Saturday morning. Um, we haven't mentioned this yet. Kelvin Joseph left the game, was ruled out with a concussion. We have no idea, wh- you know, what factor that's going to play into all of this. We certainly hope he's he's feeling better. Uh, but Tom, your thoughts on the Joseph Wright kind of plight that the Cowboys find themselves in? Well, you just brought up the the, the thing I wanted to mention that you know Joseph has a concussion and. The Cowboys have been known to do, shall we say, creative things with injuries. Uh, If this is a case where the two are very close in their minds, and I think they probably are, I think that Deron Bland has actually separated himself, and so those two guys are probably competing for the same spot, that being Wright and Joseph. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the Cowboys do a little IR manipulation with Joseph, uh, buy him some time, get a chance to see what they've got with Wright. Uh, and then, you know, they can always bring bring Joseph back. And I don't think they have any trouble getting Wright through to the practice squad unless he had played so well that they decided that Joseph's IR problems were just going to linger forever. So, Well, if, that, if Joseph's on IR, they need Wright. I mean, that's part of the yeah, problem, too. Yeah, that's what and, I'm saying. Right. Um, That's what I was saying. But they can have him on our eye when he's not doesn't really have to be. They've so, played that kind of game before. Tom, I know we're talking about Tony's uh, roster here, um, but something that I noticed about yours is you left Terrell Basham off of the defensive mm-hmm. end group. And only one other person did that, and that was David Hellman. Um, a lot of people, Hellman, have thought that, that the Cowboys would have to – maybe not have to, but would ultimately choose between Dante Fowler or Terrell Basham. You have made that Sophie's choice. Um, your thoughts on, we haven't talked about the defensive end group at all here. Um, I mean, you're, you're actually kind of going light. We'll get to your roster in just a bit, but you, you just, you don't need Terrell Basham. You find him to be worthless, apparently. 
Well, that was probably one of the harder ones that I that I made in my in my roster prediction because I've been a huge Basham fan since since the Cowboys brought him in. I thought he was really quietly effective last year. Um, but they, I mean, they've got a lot of bodies on the edge right now. And if you also consider that, you know, Chauncey Golston, I know they want to play him uh, more inside, but he can play outside. He's still listed as a defensive end. You've got Micah Parsons, who's going to play on the edge a lot. Um, and then you've also got Anthony Barr, who can play on the edge in certain sub packages. Um, so they have some tough decisions to make. And for me, it came down to kind of a three-way decision between Dorrance Armstrong, Dante Fowler, and, and Basham. And my, thing, my thought process there was the Cowboys have shown that they like to stick with their homegrown talent, which means Dorrance is probably safe. And Dante Fowler has that previous connection with Dan Quinn, having um, played for him back in college at Florida and then also with the Falcons. So I think at that point, Basham just becomes the odd man out, even though it would be um, just a tough decision to make. I know you said the name Dorrance Armstrong, but I know that you meant Randy Gregory, at least if we follow the logic of Stephen Jones. Uh, Sturge, in the chat, uh, you said you have a Terrell Basham point, so stand on the table for your dude if that's what you're going to do. Or maybe just like smite him down if, if that's what you want to do as well. No, no, no. It, it's it's pretty simple to me. Um, there was like very noticeable things on the sidelines, and what I saw was the nicest, biggest TB uh, piece on his necklace when he had no pads on. So – Basham is a lock. He's on this team. Like if you didn't, if Mike McCarthy and his staff and, and, and Dan Quinn and all those guys were kind of on the fringe with a couple of guys, they would have played. They would have played last night with a little bit of more evaluation. The fact that this guy's on the sidelines hanging out with the defensive ends, like um, Demarcus Lawrence and whatnot. I feel like he's a lock on this team. That's the only reason it's like almost like, you know, I come from the pro wrestling world. We call that a spoiler alert. <laughs> so the fact that he wasn't dressed at all last night, he was just kind of hanging out leads me to believe that Basham's on this team. I do think he's getting a little bit of the benefit of of being a notable part of a really successful team that this coaching staff oversaw. You right. can call it like the George Selvey treatment. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I don't oh, mean wow. to I don't mean Bro. to like put Terrell Basham in that box, but uh, you know it is what it is. Uh, Tony, thank you for your fifty uh, three man roster uh, prediction. Uh, Danny Phantom, let's take a look at yours. Um, you have, I mean, there's a lot of chalk here. Like we all have a lot of, of crossover. We all have a lot of similarities, obviously. Um, you are going very deep at linebacker. You're carrying six linebackers. You're carrying both Devin Harper and Luke Gifford. A lot of us made a choice there. Um, do you really feel like both are necessary given obviously the fact that it's very top heavy? Maybe you feel like there's a lot of pass rushing happening between Micah Parsons and Anthony Barr that makes that necessary. Uh, do I feel it's necessary? No. Uh, do I think the Cowboys do? Uh, yes. Uh, you know, I, the, the linebacker spot is one of those positions that it's easy to kind of forget about that the Cowboys, uh, you know, they rely on that as part of their core special teams and, you know, they, they do go deep. They, they had, they, they had seven last year, I believe. Um, and, you know, when you look at the bot, the bottom guys, you want to, you, you got basically they they fall in two categories. They're either some development guy that you want to protect uh, or it's some player that contributes in some manner, whether it's part of an offensive defense or on special teams. And and I think Luke Gifford and Harper are, have been playing well. Uh, I think uh, Devin Harper has done everything that you could expect for. I mean, we had some question marks about him, and um, but I think he's been playing well as a linebacker. I think he had a, a team high in tackles last night. Uh so I, yeah, I, I, I did go long at linebacker because I think that's what the Cowboys are going to do, but um, I mean, it, to me, there's, 
there's not a lot of difference between these bottom guys, but I just think that it's a it's a, a position that's important that they that we, we often overlook. So do you think because the the stark difference between your roster and kind of the field here is the, you're the only person who carried six linebackers and you're the only person who didn't carry Peyton Hendershot. Um, so who is who is your 53rd player? Is it maybe one of the linebackers? Like if you had to keep, say, if somebody said, Danny, you know, you have to keep Peyton Hendershot on your roster or else. All right. Who do you who are you making? You know, who are you you go into to make room for that? Well, if it's my choice, it would be one of the linebackers. But I but my actual 53rd person is and we were just talking about him is it's basham and the reason it's basham and i you know i have him i think he makes the team uh but i think if you look at the the um, all the all the edge rushers they have i'm trying to understand his overall value because for a couple of things sam williams played out of his mind last night he had a great game he was all over the place i mean he had some mental mistakes that we would like to not see but as far as just a effort and talent, I mean, he was he played well. So we're going to want to get that guy on the field. Fowler to me is, I mean, it's it's a, an easy decision between him and Basham. Fowler's been playing, you know, a higher level. And then of course Armstrong's a no-brainer. And, and, and then we have Tank. And and of course we also know that Micah and Barr are going to be, you know, attacking from the edge at times. So where did these snaps come from? And you know, you hear that term progress stopper. And Basham just to me, as good as he is, he's roster worthy. He's just one of those guys that I feel like you just don't want to give reps to because there's so many other players. So that so that's why Basham is my 53, my my last player. If if you're going to cut someone to make room, it would be him. Um, we have a very interesting thing to talk about when we get to Hallman's 53rd, uh, 53 minute roster prediction. I think he knows what it is, um, but I don't want to spoil that. So a position group we haven't talked about a lot, Danny, um, on your 53 man roster, you do have at defensive tackle, five players. You have Neville Gallimore, Osudigizua, Quinton Bohana. We all agree there. Chauncey Golson. We all agree there. Uh, you have Tristan Hill. Uh, some of us carried both Tristan Hill and John Ridgeway. Hallman, you did that. Um, I think Tom, you did not do that. I did that though. Uh, but there were only two people here who did not carry Tristan Hill at all. And they are the Paisans, Dave Sturcio and Tony Catalina. And in fact, Tony hates the the big boy so much that he didn't carry Tristan Hill or John Ridgeway. Um, so Tristan Hill, I think a lot of us think kind of played himself back into a roster spot. We all agree there was a lot of, you know, question marks about it as camp began. Uh, but Tony, defend yourself. I mean, geez, like you don't have anybody here. Like, are you just counting on on you know the good times rolling with everybody else the whole time? Yeah, I mean, I I like I like the value that John Ridgeway brings, and I think Tristan Hill is a tough guy. I mean, I think if you're gonna have Tristan Hill on this team, I think he brings the tenacity. I think people really appreciate. I think Dan Quinn kind of likes his edge. Um, sometimes it's gotten him in trouble. We've seen that happen before, but. For me, I could conceivably see Tristan Hill not on this 53-man roster. I think ultimately the way we kind of did this exercise was who do we think is going to be the 53-man roster when it shakes out? Now, initially, I could see Tristan Hill being on this team, but I think he's a perfect trade piece to try to get something else that we may need. I think if he can be moved for a tackle, I think if he can be moved for a wide receiver because there are this could be a championship defense, and I don't think I'm maybe I'm outlandish by saying that i think this defense has a championship opportunity but this offense is not of that caliber i think that's the problem with tackle and that's the problem with receiver right now is anybody here surprised and anybody interject if you want to learn that none of us carried carlos watkins oh for six is anybody shocked by that like is, is anybody stunned or is that 
kind of kind of because just as it, you know for context not context but um in our live show following the game um, that i was doing on the channel and the podcast network uh, you know there were a lot of questions like hey how many people you think are going to be carried here there wherever and in talking about defensive tackle there were a few questions like hey rj you're not going to carry carlos watkins so there are some people who think he deserves a roster spot but nobody carried him yeah, yeah. i think I think um, the two names that I – and I, I don't miss much, but the two names that I haven't heard much about at all this camp has been Dorrance Armstrong and Carlos Watkins. That's like, exactly the, what I was going to say. <laughs> so for me, I, Dorrance Armstrong is secure. I just hope that means he's silently been doing his job. But Carlos Watkins has been MIA this whole offseason. Sturge, camp, really. uh, you had a thought there, but you did carry John Ridgway. You you did not carry Tristan Hill. So, again, I mean, it, maybe it's just – and I I get Tony's point. And I think a lot of Cowboys fans have suggested that, but like, what market is there for Tristan Hill? It's in the final year of his of his rookie contract. He's had maturity issues. Where's uh, I, where where's Rod Marinelli, defensive coordinator now? Yeah. <laughs> because that's exactly why I don't think Tristan Hill makes his team is because as much as he's you know quote played his way back onto the roster, he doesn't have the Dan Quinn, Mike McCarthy thumbprint that everybody else kind of does on this team. I mean, while you know you inherit guys like Demarcus Lawrence and the, you know the the the. That's pretty much it as far as the defense is concerned. But, like, you look at that Tristan Hill, and, and while he did play well this this preseason, and there's no taking that away, and maybe he did play well enough to be a practice squad guy or to be a, uh, you know, somebody else's 52nd. I don't know. Whatever the case may be, I just feel like I don't want to say it like he doesn't belong, but he doesn't, like, he doesn't fit the mold right now is what I'm – that's my gripe with Tristan Hill. Yeah, it, Tom, bef before Howman sets this thing on fire, you had a, a defensive tackle point. Yeah, I was just saying that the idea that, that I think Tony was floating about, are the Cowboys looking to trade some of these guys and trying to do a little showcasing sometimes? Uh, you know, because you look at, at like Hill, Watkins, and uh, also you can look at Gallimore. All three of those guys were there for just a little bit last night, and I don't know what that means exactly, you know, What's it means the they're on the team, Tom. Huh? Yeah. That means they're on the team, really. Yeah. Well, you, you, that's I, I would think that a few snaps, just you know, because they had to have bodies out there or something or whatever. That's why I'm wondering: Are they also trying to make sure there at least is some tape out there for people that might be interested in these guys? I would love to see the Cowboys try to move one or two of these. What I think are uh, not. Uh, not excess, not surplus, just but bounty of defensive linemen. They've got guys that are capable of filling a job on NFL rosters all over the league. And I think they've got more than they can manage to keep. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm looking, you know, I think I went with, with nine just because I was trying to find spots for elsewhere. But, you know, even if you go 10, 11, there's still somebody you're leaving off that you're going kind of like, oh. Um, so, like <laughs> all right. Sometimes when you do this exercise, when you you know kind of put together a 50-day roster prediction, there are oversights. I think we all kind of agree. Like you all, again, had some sort of like, wait, I didn't mean to this, whatever. I'll, I'll fess up. I haven't put mine up, up on the screen yet, but I left Marquise Bell off of mine. So if it's an oversight, you know, accident, he's on my 53. Uh, he's my version of Nation Wright for you, Sturge. Uh, what I'm about to show you all from David Hellman is not an oversight. Um, he he wrote about this actually recently at bloggingtheboys.com, took some heat for it on, on twitter.com when the article went out. Um, he does not have Leighton Vanderish on his 53-man roster, David Howman. Oh uh, so, Howman, the floor is yours. Defend yourself. All right. So, 
like you said, I wrote about this uh, actually before this this last preseason game. And the more I think about it, the more that it makes sense to me as a possible move that they're going to make. Um, and one one reason is with Leighton Vander Esch, you're looking at a guy that really he's he's not going to play much on special teams. So if you're getting value out of him, it's going to be on the field as a starter. So they they've already got obviously Micah Parsons going to play a lot. Um, Jabril Cox is going to play a lot. And then you bring in Anthony Barr, ideally because you're going to have him play a lot too. So where are those snaps coming from for Vander Esch? I think that they're looking at that and see that, uh, you know, maybe he's he's not going to end up playing much, which is why I ended up bringing Devin Harper onto the roster because he can be that special teams player while also providing some good depth at the actual linebacker position. But similarly, uh, you know, I, I went – um, five deep at safety with uh, what I'm looking at there is J. Ron Curse and Marquise Bell, um, both of whom we know last year with Curse, he kind of played a safety linebacker hybrid, playing a lot in the box at the line of scrimmage. And I don't see any reason why they wouldn't keep him in that same role. And so far through training camp and preseason, we've seen Bell in a very similar role, kind of almost playing like backup to Curse's role. So I think that the Cowboys could look at that and say, we've got Parsons, Cox, and Barr as our linebackers, and then Curse and Bell can also be that kind of linebacker safety hybrid. So we don't need to keep as many linebackers that aren't going to be special teams value. At which point Vanderesh becomes kind of the odd man out. Uh, and another thing so, that I'll point out is that um, with the practice squad rules the way that they are now, you can keep up to six veteran players on there on the practice squad. So if Vanderesh doesn't get picked up on waivers somewhere else, then I think that they would absolutely try to bring him back so that they can have him there for depth. They can elevate him on game day if they want. Um, but I, I just don't see a spot for him to be on the actual roster. Sturge, I know you have a very passionate uh, sort of response to this, and we'll get there in a second. But I just want to make sure that I'm following the domino effect or at least outlining the domino effect properly for Howman's roster, because the, you know, the podcast audience may have forgotten because they can't see it, but the YouTube audience sees it. So you're only carrying five defensive ends, Howman. Um, so again, like I think that, you know, what, what I loved at least about the Anthony Barr signing was it allowed all the more depth for, for when Micah Parsons is rushing the passer. So you're removing that depth, obviously by, by, uh, by, you know, moving on from Leighton Vanderish. But if we, again, kind of follow the domino, if I can confirm if I'm correct or, or just coming out of nowhere in terms of following your line of thought, Cowboys, you know, effectively have more defensive ends than you have technically listed here because of the presences of Micah Parsons and Anthony Barr. And so then, okay, you're, you're down at your safety spot, but to your point, you kind of have more linebackers than initially meets the eye by way of Jaron Curse and Marquise Bell. And so could the argument not then be made through your sort of lens, Howman, that the people who kind of played Leighton Vander Esch off of your roster are Israel Mukwamu, who has helped stabilize the safety position, and Marquise Bell by his way of becoming a light version, L-I-T-E, of, uh, of J. Ron Curse. Is that, am I following your domino effect properly? Yeah, pretty much. And, and I mean, Dan Quinn has talked a lot about how he wants that position versatility. And, I mean, he, he got it in Micah Parsons. He's got it now in Barr. Um, Curse last year was fit that to a T and that's where we're kind of seeing you want to, there's other players that you want to keep and Van Der Esch isn't going to, I don't think will be on the field as much to where he can offer that kind of value. Mm. Sturch, you again have been holding back for a while. Um, so nobody else had the same sort of response that you did to Van Der Esch's exclusion here. How do you feel? About it's, this? it's not that deep really. Um, Jabril Cox, while everybody's you know high on him and right, he's coming off 
injury and all this other stuff. And, and everybody's like, okay, Anthony Barr. And then don't forget Anthony Barr is eight years into the league. You know what I mean? So he's not the same Anthony Barr that I personally wanted in 14. You know, don't get me wrong. We, I think we struck gold the 14s roster, but what I'm saying is um, in what world are we living in where LVE is not better than both of those guys? I, I think Van Der Resch is 2021 end of back end of that season last year. He proved that, like, you know, as much as people were low on him for a little while, he started really coming on. And I don't think you take away those snaps. I think you build on the momentum that he's a cowboy. He's a, he's going to be a linebacker right next to Micah Parsons. So that's where I mean, while, while I understand the logic, yes, he's not going to play any special teams. He's not going to be somebody running down, making tackles on the kickoff. We get that. Right. But like I just based off of the tape and based off of what I've watched, Leighton Vanderess right now is, is a better linebacker than Jabril Cox and Anthony Barr. That's just. That's why he's on my team, and that's why he's linebacker too. Dan, you seem like you've been silently thinking. Um, did did Halman sell you at all? Like, I mean, are you are you one percent buying this? No, no, I'm wow. not at all. I mean, the, I, I'll give him credit. That I mean, that that that's bold, you know. And it takes a lot to to make such a ludicrous, you know, uh, prediction <laughs> like this. So props to you know, you know, David for doing that. But. Uh, no, I, I think it's the thing. I mean, why? Why? Why would you take a take a player like that? I mean, first off, he's costing them nothing, and he's playing well. His he's coming off a year where he's one of the healthiest years he's had, and it's just it, it would. Another thing too is that we have to consider is how has he looked in the preseason? Well, there's your answer. They're not cutting this guy. So, I mean, if, if it was a situation where it's like, well, we're not really sure what we want to do with Leighton, then they're going to get it, throw him out there and just, you know, give give him reps and and, and answer those questions. But they've made their mind up because Van Der Esch is a, is a valuable piece to the linebacker depth. depth. So, no, that, that's crazy talk to me, David. <laughs> Tony, do you, do you feel like, are you at least, you know, are you like of the mindset, you know what, Hellman, let's, Let's get a drink. Let's go to the porch. Let's talk about it. Like, are you at least like that open to it? Or are you just like, no way, dude. Like, I'm not going anywhere near this whatsoever. I love Hamann. He's my guy. But no, I just I just don't see it. I just don't see it happen. I, I, I am in the camp. I know Aiden did some research and shout out to Aiden Davis on uh, the first and ten podcast. He was he was talking about how Leighton Van Esch in the back end after post pre uh post bye week, he was playing at a top 10 level statistically in the linebacker position. So I like Sturt said, I would like to build up on that. And the fact that they brought Anthony Barr in makes me feel really good about where this linebacker group is, especially if you're going to use Anthony Barr and Michael Parsons as, you know, kind of rush ends and somebody that can kind of play hybrid positions. I feel some type of good about the fact that Leighton Van Dash can be that guy in the middle. Jabril Cox can be that guy in the middle and let those guys be creative. I think there's value in having these linebackers that they don't have to be multiple, right? We have some playmakers and we have some mismatches, but some traditional guys that can play downhill that can, you know, still break, break up the pass and kind of just be a cog in the middle. So um, Leighton Van Dash, I actually feel good about the prospects. I like the contract. I like the fact that he's on a prove it deal. And I, I don't think I'm going to get rid of that just now. Um, Halman, last one on your roster. You're the only person who carried Alec Lindstrom. Your thoughts? Well, the, the thinking behind that was just that, I mean, he's looked good in, in the preseason games that he's played. And now that you're probably moving Tyler Smith to left tackle, you've got Connor McGovern having to start. Um, and Farniak's going to be in that kind of fullback role. You need a little more depth up there on the inside. So, uh, Lindstrom's a guy that they like. He's he he can play center. They've they've tried him out at some of the guard spots too, 
And uh, frankly, he was one of those guys that when he went undrafted was kind of a surprise because most people thought he was going to be a day three pick. So I think the talent is there, the the, the value as a depth piece is there. Um, and with this latest shakeup on the offensive line, uh, he's somebody that's going to going to be kept along. Mm. Um, all right. So um, speaking of center, this is my 53 man roster um, so that everyone can see again, Marquis Bell, apologies and oversight. If I have to move on from somebody at this point, um, it's probably John Ridgeway. Um, in fact, that, that's my actually Howman. I didn't ask you and Dan who your 53rd players were. We can kind of cycle back there, but that would be my 53rd player. I think that he's, I won't say played poorly, but hasn't played well enough to where the Cowboys can't sneak him on to, to the practice squad. Um, we have not discussed Matt Farniak. Um, we, we all kind of have the same nucleus of offensive line. Again, Howman, the only person who had Alec Lindstrom. Sturch was the only person who left Matt Farniak off of their 53. Um, you know, I think it's important to talk about center. I mean, the Cowboys gave Connor McGovern work at center on Friday night. They're clearly not completely, totally satisfied with Tyler Biotish. They said literally as the draft ended that they were going to convert Matt Farniak to a center. I mean, we're sitting here talking about how this team has some problems um, at left tackle, at tackle in general. I mean, it, they have... The only stable position on the offensive line is at guard, at right guard, that is, with, with Zach Martin. I mean, maybe you want to call both guard positions stable with Tyler Smith. I just this this is maybe the least impressive offensive line I've seen in a decade for the Dallas Cowboys. And and it's the shakiest. Like even what they have is 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 shaky. These are effectively just names on a roster. I mean, is that fair to say, Tom? You thought you're asking me about that? That's what I meant when I said Tom, yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I was I was actually just going back and looking uh at the the roster projections while you were uh, on that, talking about it for a minute, trying to trying to think. I, I think this kind of is a case of where we got caught up by the evolving situation with Tyron Smith going down, because if you look at most of the projections, except for uh, how many you said had the uh, had uh, Lindstrom on, we kind of forgot about depth on the interior of the line. We were all focused on what was happening out at tackle and the changes that were going to happen. And they clearly, I think, have to have somebody else in the interior of the line. And I don't know they got them on the roster right now because with losing McGovern as a depth piece, I think everybody was came into this thinking McGovern and Farniok are your backups on the interior of the offensive line. Then all of a sudden McGovern looks like he's going to be moving up to starting left guard. That just leaves a hole that, that – you know, I don't know if we can we can Dude. fill it, which makes Lindstrom suddenly make an awful lot of sense. And I think that may be a case of, of where David just kind of saw that and a lot of us didn't catch it. Wow. So Tom uh, Howman is, is with you on your full 53-man roster prediction. Tom's ready to cut Leighton Van Der Esch as well. Uh, Dan, um, on the BTV Roundtable this past week, um, you mentioned your sort of level of doubt in what the Cowboys were dealing with at offensive line. That was prior to the Tyron Smith injury. Obviously, that happened on Wednesday night. To Tom's point, to all of our point, I mean, the the depth, like literally the depth on this team is Josh Ball at tackle or 
and and Matt Farniok uh, along the interior. That's it. And the Cowboys are kind of, you know, building this house on top of itself, right? Because their plan is, well, Tyler Smith is our depth at left tackle. He can't be your depth. He can't play two positions at once. Connor McGovern is our depth at center. He can't be your depth. He can't play two positions at once. And so this is so foolishly, I mean, honestly built. There's zero hedging that has happened here to one of the most important parts of your team. To, to be fair, uh, just quick to interject, to be fair, yesterday before uh, RJ went on his everybody stop editing stuff, I have to make graphics rant. Um, <laughs> you know, I was I did have two free agent offensive linemen okay. coming in. So, like, I did have that and I made a switch and I gave it to, I guess, the tight end. But, like, um, I, I think that there's a there's a case to be made that the Cowboys will add two offensive linemen and maybe two offensive linemen that could potentially – be hybrids and play both in and out. So that's that's kind of like where I'm at with that. Yeah, you know, I uh, I initially thought that. Um, I think I even tweeted that uh, that they need to, but uh, I don't think that anymore. And um, a couple things. And uh, yeah, yeah, this is this is something that's that's worried me for probably a few weeks now. But I will say this, and and I wanted to point this out about Josh Ball. I think I think that it's he's he's a clear he's going to make the roster as bad as he's been. In the preseason, I still think that the Cowboys, they just don't, you know, they have a lack of options. But we got to remember, too, and we saw, and this, I don't know why this eluded me, but watching Waletsko play, and I was I was very impl- impressed with Waletsko in that second half when, when he played. I thought he did a very good job, and now it shows shows you what they like in, in his length and, and also how smart he is. But, two is we've never, we haven't seen Josh Ball play the right tackle spot, which is where he plays. And we talked about this, how the swing, you know, that, that uh, Terrence Steele is the pivot guy. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't know what the Cowboys' plan are, but like, is Terrence Steele at left tackle the answer? And you got Josh Ball. Maybe Josh Ball's better, at, you know, on the right side. He's supposed to be. Uh, so, I, I mean, I, well, Dan, that broadcast last night said they were going to swing Zach Martin out the left tackle. I almost threw up. Not to interrupt you, Dan, but the problem is these are not conversations that you can have in the final week of August. You know, that's, that's the problem. I mean, like it's, it's sound for you to explain it or to, you know, kind of hypothesize along those lines, but you you just, you can't like you, 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 you're at, you're, you're past the point of no return. You have to live with what you have to lie in this bed that they they've made this bed and, and they're forcing themselves. They're forcing everybody to lie in it. And it's silly. I mean, like to your point, I think a lot of people, a lot of every one of us saw tweets on on Friday night. Matt, well, let's go. Looks better. Okay, so the plan now at swing tackle is this dude who has had fewer than a single hands worth of practices at the NFL level, because that that's what the situation he he returned from practice or from, you know, injury this past week. I mean, so like all of a sudden we're, you know, and, and that's where. You know, Stephen Jones, Halman, I'm curious for your thoughts here, said after the game that, that you know, pounded his chest, you know, hyped up their own level of foresight, uh, that, that Tyler Smith is is the plan at left tackle here, despite the fact that upon drafting him, they immediately placed him at left guard. Okay, great. Even if you believe that Tyler Smith is the plan, and I think to a large degree, we all think that's maybe the best lemonade that you can make out of this mess, but... If you do not make any kind of move, Halman, you are still going down the path of Josh Ball remaining your swing tackle, which was already prior to Friday night, prior to the Tyrant Smith injury, an unsatisfactory sort of thing. I mean, for whatever reason, they refuse to add any sort of thing and just believe in, in their guys. That's obviously the trope to no it or to, to no result. I mean, I don't know your thoughts. Um, I mean, I, I, I know I tweeted about this earlier in the week, but what I keep coming back to is my suspicion that this is all part of some uh, 
some kind of um, scheme by the Joneses as, you know, putting all of this on Mike McCarthy so that at the end of the year, if, if they don't get to that point where they, they need to, uh, where they want to, that they can justify getting rid of him, essentially saying, we trusted your evaluation on Josh Ball. We trusted your evaluation on Matt Walesko. We trusted that you could move Tyler Smith out to left tackle. Um, and basically saying, we, we put the ball in your court and it fell the Josh apart. Ball in your court, Disaster. to be clear. Ooh, the Josh ooh. Ball in your court. Thank <laughs> ooh, you. I like that. Um, and so maybe that's just the, the the cynic in me, but that's what I keep coming back to is maybe they're not really being as aggressive right now because um, they, they want to give McCarthy this opportunity to either sink or swim on his own. And if he, if he pulls it off, then they look like a genius because they believed in their head coach. If he doesn't, then they can say, well, now we're going to go get somebody else. Maybe Sean Payton, maybe they'll promote Dan Quinn, whatever. Lincoln Riley makes another move. Um, okay, I think Some cynical, I, cynical drama, like garbage. <laughs> this is um, garbage. I know I speak for all of us in saying if we, if the Cowboys are going to add anywhere, we all believe it's on the offensive line. We all on our 53-man roster predictions had free agent listed along the offensive line. Um, Tom Sturge, you both intimated that you think multiple players could be added. So that being said, last question as we wrap up this 53-man roster prediction show, we're going to go through each one of you. Uh, we'll go in order. Tom, how will you feel if the Cowboys don't, if they do not add? Because that possibility exists. I mean, I know, I know we're all like – surely they have to do this they have to add somebody but again like we've we for six months we've been saying they got to add a receiver they haven't added a receiver i mean they added Kevante turpin against kind of a unique thing if you want to give it to him fine they've got to add you know a, a tackle they have to they have to add a swing tackle they didn't the only external addition of any kind that they've made along the offensive line is matt farnia although i guess alec lindstrom um to be fair to that point as well but uh but he was absent on five of our <laughs> 53 minute roster predictions but to the point how maybe you were onto something so that being said we all believe they have to but they have done nothing that they had to so tom what will be your emotion how will you feel if the cowboys do not add any and let's like couch that by saying any serious linemen because if they just go out and add a body to, to be you know kind of a show to, to be another player on the roster so that they could have literally accomplished something and just trot out tyler smith that left tackle the way they want to that's the same result so like miss me with this like they sign you know joe smith hey they went and did something if they do not make a significant move here tom how will you feel yeah, you mean like if they sign Chaz Green is their answer? Out that's there? that's what we talked about in the yeah. post game show, like a Ch or, or like a Cam yeah. Irving, Cam Fleming, like somebody along that those lines, yeah. just to satisfy, hey, we went and got a body uh, to be part of our depth. I, I I will honestly feel like there's no chance the team and the coaching staff can do well enough to overcome the management of Jerry and Stephen Jones. Uh, hmm. That that this is this is a long you know. Stephen Jones likes to think about the long term. If they don't address this, he's saying that long term, this team is just going to keep screwing up, and you know, get you get a franchise quarterback, and put him in a terrible situation, and put more and more of the load of him on him. I just see that's that's going to happen, and don't it, it will basically be kind of depressing. Sturge. Um, based on who's out there, uh, I'm, I'm not okay with just adding a body, right? Like I'm not right. okay with that. Um, the problem I have now is what Tom just kind of alluded to. Like you put every single dollar into your star quarterback 
And now you're going to have him running for his life the entire season. What good is that going to do? We've already evaluated Dak Prescott enough to pay him all this money. What good is he if he's on his ass the entire time? You know what I mean? Like, it's just not a good situation to be in. The Cowboys have to be aware of that. The Cowboys, and while, you know, everybody makes fun of, uh, or at least pokes the the due diligence or the, uh, you know, the cap boy or whatever, whatever you want to call Stephen Jones at this point, um, I just feel like they would be just almost like a like a parent who leaves their kid on a doorstep, just like neglect. Just like this is this is your baby. This is your product. This is the Dallas Cowboys. You want us to be successful this year? Well, guess what? I don't know if anybody's told you this. I don't know if anybody's told the Joneses this, but this game starts and ends up front. You got to do something. You can't mess around. You saw the first quarter last night, and it didn't look that great. Guys are getting pushed back. So clearly, we don't have the talent on the roster right now. Go get the talent. Stop being cheap. They got like $10 million to spend. Go give three of it to somebody who can actually make a difference. Uh, Tony, before we get to you, Tom, you had a point. Yeah, and not only do they have the $40 million quarterback, but they're trying to blame his salary for why they can't get depth on the team. <laughs> it's, you know, just it drives you crazy. It's, Along those lines, Tom, we're we're like a, a two and six record away from them turning on Zeke. Right. Well, you know, and, and you know, in, in full hypocrisy, right? Like, well, we spent all this money. You know, Zeke's got to make, make a couple guys miss. You know what I mean? Like, Ze- if Zeke's making all this money, you know, and that, again, it would be hilarious and, and hypocritical and, and stupid. Uh, but, but, you know, that timeline does exist. Uh, Tony, to set you up last night or Friday night for because we're posting this on Sunday, um, Stephen Jones spoke after the game. And I haven't heard this. So the inflection I'm adding is my own interpretation. Um, his his response about Tyler Smith playing tackle said what did he play in college I mean it's not foreign to him to stand out there and be a left tackle so um I mean again Stephen Jones like now minimizing playing left tackle in the NFL just to standing out there uh, but Tony you quote tweeted this and said quote this is just horrendous truly the kid uh, I love when you call people kids Tony you're a kid yourself hasn't lined up at tackle since June in all caps and you're telling us he's the best option to protect Dak Prescott week one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Wake up. This is incompetence. Tony. You've never set me up for an answer better in my life because even if you didn't mention that, I was still going to say it here. Like every single time Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones have spoken this offseason, at least to me, you guys can feel differently. It comes off as a tone like we know what we're doing. You guys don't know what you're doing. We're handling it the way that look at us. We're champions. We've won before. Like you guys don't understand what it takes. And that comment right there made me so upset because he, he he's almost, you know, in my vision, he's sitting up there in, in the, in the suite. He's Mount had a Pius. good time. He's had, you know, he's probably had a, a few um, soft drinks and then he goes down and talks to the media and he's like, well, what did he play guys? Like, <laughs> come on, put, you know, like, you know, he's played tackle before. Right. And it's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. We forgot. Like we forgot he played tackle. Now everything's good. So for me, incompetence is the start of it. It's gross negligence to me. And if they don't address this position and I'm not trying to be like, too over the top about this but how they handled this position before week one will tell me a lot about how they feel about this season like I know it's just one move but if you're gonna trot out Dak Prescott and say go ahead bro like make it work good luck back there though like you only got about a half a second to throw this football so good luck and it's it's just to me it's it's one of the most frustrating parts that maybe one of the frustrating things I've ever had in my life you know covering this team yeah bro I told in you I ain't got life. much of a life I ain't got much of a life <laughs> 
my life's been good, man. I'll tell you that. So, <laughs> so that's but, the one downfall is the Joneses right now of your life. Everything's yeah, good. Jerry, Wife's good. I, house is good. It's just the Joneses are ruining everything for everybody. Ninety nine problems and ninety eight of them are Jerry Jones. So yeah. So um, there we go. Tony, I think that was well said. Like again, like the entire like collection of Cowboys brass and media and fan base was like. Oh hell yeah, we forgot. Like great point, dude. Like, like thank thank you. Wow. I, we didn't I think feel of that. so much yeah. better. Um <laughs> I, I, is comparison what? to the NFL. It would so but know? no, but to that point, Tony, I mean, and like people say all the time, like they should be pressed by this. Like somebody I mean, I I'm like saying this tongue in cheek. Somebody should have said, Well, what Zach Martin play in college? Right? Like if, if you're <laughs> if you're willing to go down that line of thought, like why are you only they 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 say things and apply them only in certain circumstances to confirm their own sort of um, narratives? Dan, uh, if the Cowboys do not add, and again we all agree here, a serious option at tackle. If it's just a, a all due respect to Cam Irving, Cam Fleming, Chaz Green, if it's somebody cut from that cloth, how will you feel? Well, you know it's interesting you say that because it, it's going to be exactly that. It, it's, right. If, if they sign someone, it's going to be you know. Uh, Grabs pointed this out, um, and. Um, uh, props to Landon McCool for for saying this, but there's two the tackles fall in two groups: guys that can go out there and stand alone, and guys that need help. And the chances of getting a standalone guy are gone. I mean, we had that chance when Rashawn Slater was available, and we passed on that for Micah, which you know, no problem with that. But now we're looking at guys that are going to need help. It doesn't matter. Uh, but how will I feel? I will feel very. I will be, feel very scared. Um, I don't know that. I really wanted them to do this sooner only because while they have had success and we have to give them props for the Ty and Seckies and the Cam Irvings and Cam Flemings and Cam whatevers, but <laughs> they, they get these guys in and we see that they're good and they're good enough. And then, then we feel good about it. now. Now we're just going to go sign like a Daryl Williams who, who I would like to see them sign. But what if he's not? Cause there's so many of them that aren't. And now we're like left with a big problem. So that's the part that, uh, makes me most unsettled is that they are like have waited this long and they haven't got this fixed and we really don't know what's going on and I tell you what you know they are leaving Prescott at the doorstep and if uh, if Dak can't do what Dak can do I mean this this this, this whole team the whole, whole season is going to be in turmoil so yeah that's that's how I feel. Just want to thank Dan real quick for the newest uh, name of my one of my fantasy football teams is definitely going to be the Cam Whatevers, <laughs> just because that was a fantastic drop, by the way. Um, Howman, the Cowboys with this situation feel like um, Sturge has a little girl, and so maybe he experiences this, um, like a little kid who is like, everybody look at me, like you know, or like look at my look at my dance, look at my whatever, and it's just like the worst dance you've ever seen or it's like hey, the worst yo, song whoa, whoa. like well not not in Sturch's daughter's case obviously uh song that's ever been sung but because it's a little kid you're like wonderful great job sweetheart you know you're like there's all this like fake praise that comes from a place of love but you know like if you know if like the oscars or the tonys or whatever were like judging this it'd be terrible you know what i'm saying but like that's what they've done they have they have not only painted themselves into this corner but they were like hey guys we're gonna paint ourselves into this corner everybody look and and now they're here and then they're going to be in this corner and they're going to say well what the hell why why did y'all let us do this like why are you know we're in this corner now somebody help us um so how will you feel how many if they just um if they follow the status quo well i'm, I'm gonna feel a little gross right now because i am gonna take the side of uh the cowboys front office for wow okay go ahead and I mean, I will preface this by saying, like, I've pretty much disagreed with all of their decisions they've made this offseason, whether it was getting rid of Cooper, Collins, I wanted them to keep Connor Williams. But I look at the approach that they're taking, 
um, especially with this offense and how it relates to their offensive line. And I think that they're probably not in as bad of a situation as we all think. And obviously, you know, a lot of this is exacerbated by the fact that Tyron Smith is going to be out for a really long time. We all hate to see him go down. Having a rookie left tackle who just spent the last three months learning a completely different position is not ideal. But I look at what we've seen in in joint practices in preseason, and it kind of lines up with what we've seen with their overall approach, which is a run-heavy approach, a lot of 12 personnel, a lot more play action. And so with that, what you are really looking for in your offensive linemen are guys who are going to be much better at run blocking. You look down this line, Tyler Smith is much better when he's run blocking. Um, Connor McGovern, Tyler Biotish are at their best when they're run blocking, Terrence Steele especially. So if they're able to, you know, really make that make that work and commit to that kind of approach. And we've seen it in preseason, the run blocking when those guys have been in has looked good. Um, I'm not saying that it's going to suddenly make their pass protection that much better, but it does help. It, it helps when, you know, defenses are playing the run much more often when you have that play action. We know Dak is really great when he's on that play action, when he's, when he's rolling out to the side, that's another way that you can kind of take some of that pressure off of them. Um, so I think that it, you know, it's obviously a bad situation, but I think that the way that they've built this offense for this year actually plays to some of their strengths that they do still have left on this roster. And also, I think that it's entirely possible that Tyler Smith ends up being a huge hit. You know, just last year, we were all saying, like, Micah Parsons was a terrible pick. He's he's not going to work out. Like, this, is, this was a terrible selection, and he ended up being, you know – just absolutely phenomenal. People were comparing him to Lawrence Taylor halfway through the year. And, you know, so I'm not saying we shouldn't, we should have blind trust in the front office, but Will McClay is the guy that is doing all this scouting. He very clearly knows what he's doing and they trust in him and his approach. And so I think that uh, we should be, you know, waiting to see because Tyler Smith may make us all look really stupid in a few weeks. Mm. I mean, no. what are you doing? What are you doing at three fifteen? You want to meet me at the uh, in the schoolyard or something like that? Because comments like that is violent. Like that is just. What are you doing? <laughs> like, come um, on, man. I I thought that was really it was well and, and, said. And, and positive. I mean, like lo and behold, the guy yeah. who cut Leighton Vanderesh came in and kind of you know just landed the plane. Uh, yeah. So um, wow, that's uh, uh. By the way, Danny Phantom noted his 53rd players, Terrell Basham, Halman, who was yours, just quickly. So we we make sure we get that on record. Probably a 19th offensive line. CJ Goodwin. Yeah, I did not carry him myself. We didn't talk about that, but I just feel like I mean I set that up. I think Nashawn Wright kind of handles that. I'd, I'd rather have that roster spot elsewhere. Um, okay, anybody have any final thoughts? Any final things they want to get off their chest? Now is the time to do so. Howman, man, I, I'm still kind of bugged out about the Leighton Van Der Esch thing, but then you go out and say you're about to have dinner and lunch and all sorts of meals with the Joneses right now supporting everything you've done. Well, I'm all for Will McClay and all the stuff that he's done in the draft. That doesn't mean that, you know, he's evaluating players on the field right this second. That's up to the, you know, McCarthy's of the world. And th- those guys, they – see, here's the thing. My, my estimation and my, like, c- this could be completely off the wall. But, like, what if Mike McCarthy is going to Stephen Jones and saying, hey, um, I need a tackle, like, now, like, yesterday, I needed a tackle. And, like, Stephen's like, yeah, yeah, we got you. Uh, close the door. <laughs> like, I, I, what? I think the answer to that, Sturch, is similarly to how we got the, um, the Bleacher Report, Mike McCarthy expose after his time in Green Bay. 
if this goes south, I mean, you know, we're all we all uh, share how many you outlined it, but we all share a similar belief that, that the Cowboys are setting this up. I don't see why that's necessary, but uh, to, to sort of set McCarthy up as the fall guy, there is a Mike McCarthy sit down with Mina Kimes or something that we are, you know, seven to eight months away from that is going to generate some incredible content um, about the Joneses and, and, and how, you know, whatever, because, you know, in Mike McCarthy's defense, and look, I don't like supremely believe in Mike McCarthy, but I do think he's being dealt a raw hand. I, I wrote this past week at the site, this, the offensive line, when he, when he made the comment about, Oh, I didn't actually watch every game. The starting offensive line that day was Tyron Smith, Connor Williams, Travis Frederick, Zach Martin, and Lyle Collins. Now Travis went on to retire. Maybe he had some like idea that that was coming, but still, I mean, it, it, by, by December, when we're told that the Tyron Smith is supposed to show up, Mike McCarthy will have coached, coached 45 games with the Cowboys. Tyron Smith will have missed 31 of them at that point. I mean, like he is, he has not necessarily gotten to drive the, the Corvette that people, you know, outlined this team to be. Um, so that being said, um, he's waited a long time for this. He has had to deal with a lot of mess and a, a big circus that I, I think he would probably admit he underestimated you know we've learned if we've learned anything it's that the dallas cowboys job is very 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 different from the green bay packers job and i think the only person in the world who truly can empathize with him right now is jason garrett as funny as it is to say well i also i also see like all right look while the tyron smith thing is incredibly bad right and like we're all kind of like we just got that gut feeling in our stomach like oh my god our season just went up in smoke you know, the Green Bay Packers went 13 and four last year without their two right, uh, right and left tackle. You know what I mean? And those are all world players, too. Bakhtiari is one of the better left tackles in football. And I understand they got Aaron Rodgers, and that's fine. But if you look at that team right now, you know, look at the, like, the Green Bay Packers, who are like the, the darlings of the NFC coming into this year, one of them at least. You know, they got a lesser team than the Cowboys do. The Cowboys got a lot of talent. You know what I mean? Like Dak Prescott, sure. to me, top 10 quarterback. Zeke. Y'all can bash him as all as you want. I still think he's going to be in the top five, top six rushing in the league, even after losing a D. Of course he is. They're going to give him a thousand opportunities to carry the ball. Well, I'm just saying there's talent on this team. And while I understand that, you know, the the world or Cowboys nation is up in arms with the the offensive line situation, I think it's very apparent that, you know, a lot of these guys are going to make and earn their paychecks this year. And I think they can. I'm not saying I'm not writing the season off as a a total L, but I I do hope, you know, we're all hoping here, except for Howman, however, who's sipping coffee with the Joneses, uh, that that the Cowboys do address something within the next couple of days. Well, I would would, would kind of build off of that point. Go ahead, Howman. Sorry. Uh, You know, Sturge, what you mentioned with the Packers and their tackles last year, you look through the Packers, even back in the McCarthy days, I mean, they, they were having injuries on the offensive line. A lot of those offensive, most of those offensive linemen that were starters were not first round picks, were not second round picks. So like McCarthy in, in, in his time at Green Bay and Joe Philbin was also there for several portions of that time there too. They were finding guys on the offensive line, whether it was, you know, in the pre, you know, in the off season, or if it was like, as the season was going on, they were finding guys that, you know, came up and, and contributed and stepped up when they needed to. And McCarthy always mentions the year that he won the Super Bowl, they had like, I forget the exact number, but they had like a bunch 75 of guys players. On, yeah. yeah. Like half the team was on injured reserve by the time they got to the Super Bowl. So, you know, he, he has a history of being able to succeed when guys go down and especially on the offensive line, being able to, you know, cobble together pieces. And it's not always about, you know, everyone talks about get the best five out there, but sometimes it's just about having the right five out there that can work together and have that continuity. I think McCarthy and Joe Philbin know that from their time in Green Bay, and I think that that could play 
a big part here in Dallas. See, see, like, that, look, that, all podcasts well, long. You're sitting there with the LVE stuff, and now right here, I'm doing like the Jack Nicholson, like, oh, keep going. You're like, this is good. You've redeemed yourself, Howman. There you go, bro. I I was gonna say something along the lines of Howman um, as we close here. I I think a, a huge problem with like people in life in general is that we just like live off of like the past like we assume things that happened in the past are going to happen to us like oh last time i went to this like burger place the burger there's a great how i met your mother episode about like chasing perpetual history uh with, with a with a burger that, that marshall is looking for um and a great friend of mine ari temkin he hosts the cowboys pre and post game show on 105 through the fan he once said to me that he thinks that the dan bailey kind of ruined jason garrett like dan bailey exacerbated the conservativeness of jason garrett because of, of how consistent dan bailey was that kind of sorry dan um forced jason garrett to kind of rely on that more than maybe he would have conventionally if, if dan bailey weren't so amazing and to Halman, to your point I mean, I think Josh Ball is a prime example of like, we've done it before. And I think Terrence Steele's success from year one to year two confirmed those priors. Hey, we're good at this. We can, we can take any, any like, you know, piece of clay and we can mold something wonderful out of it. We're going to do it with Josh Ball. And my problem isn't necessarily, you know, assuming that mindset. It's foregoing other resources that you had just to do that. Like that's pride at that point in time. That's not just history that you're chasing. That's that's pride. That's saying we have all this salary cap space, but we don't have to use it because we're Mike McCarthy and Joe Philbin. We can we can make we can scrap things together. We we can make this car work. And I think that that, you know, clearly is already potentially going to cost them. Although Sturch, you're right, obviously the season hasn't been played. Tony. Yeah, I mean for me ultimately it, it's 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 perplexing just the whole situation right i i feel really good about some of the things we saw this whole preseason right i think we confirmed some priors like we said last night in the twitter space there's some guys that we feel really good about that went out there and kind of consistently played like that but then the, the question marks are still consistently there too i i, I don't sit here comfortable you know i'm, I'm not gonna do the whole situation, but I'm not here comfortable with what the offensive line is going to look like. I, I'm very worried about Tyler Smith. I think this offense doesn't have to be prolific. They just have to be able to be proficient, and I think they could be good. And I don't know how bad of an offensive line this is going to actually shake out to be. We already know that Connor McGovern is somebody that is a better right guard than a left guard, so it's just we don't have to go through the whole line again. We pretty covered it in detail here, but there are just a lot of question marks, and we have a few days to try to figure this out before they lock down in Tampa Bay. And um, as it's currently constructed, like I said in my last kind of run on sentence was if, if, they, if they don't make anything go on or do something better here, it's it's I don't know how I feel about it going forward. Tom, give us a line to close out on. It could be optimistic, pessimistic. It could be life advice, whatever you want. But send us home. It probably doesn't matter how it all turns out we're still going to somehow find a way to be a fan of the Dallas Cowboys. All said. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, 
fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.